Broadcasting to Ottawa Senator fans around the world. Around the world. It's the Sins Nation Podcast. From praising Alfie to Brady Kachuk and everything in between. If it matters to Sins fans, we're talking about it right here. And now, here's Steve Warren. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sens Nation podcast. Glad you're with us once again. And uh, today we got lots to get to. We're going to talk about more signings. I think Pierre Dorian's getting writer's cramp, continuing to sign guys. Uh, they signed Alex Galchenyuk. They re-signed Chris Tierney and Philip Schlappick. Dallas officially signs Rick Bonus. Dallas has got a new uniform I want to talk about as well. Pierre Dorian's October Harvest of Assets. One of the liveliest months we've ever seen from a Sens GM. And what is the lineup actually going to look like? How many jobs are going to be actually available? And a big story happening in Arizona right now that everybody's reacting to as the Coyotes renounce the rights to Mitchell Miller, who did some really, really awful things when he was 14 years of age. So loads to get to here on the Sens Nation podcast. How are things? Yeah, let's bring on the coach. It's Greg Kennedy. How are things? Things are good, Steve. It's, it's it's amazing that we still have, like you would think that we'd have nothing to talk about. It's amazing we still manage to find things to talk about. Week after week, the hockey world is giving us lots of lots of nuggets, especially the Senators. It's been great for us, huh? No doubt about that. And I got to think, though, December, by the time early December comes around, we're going to be talking about our Christmas wish lists and what we're up to for the holidays and all that. Uh, Oh, no, it's World Junior time. Well, there you go. Who knows? Who knows if we're going to have World Juniors? Uh, I'm sure it'll go off all all well, but uh, COVID puts everything in doubt and everything's in a gray area right now. What is not in a gray area is how lively the Sens have been here in the last month, as mentioned. And uh, let's begin with probably over the past week since our last episode, the most interesting signing, and that is going after Alex Galchenyuk, who's sort of become a little bit like Anthony Duclair. He was six years in Montreal, third overall draft pick in 2012. And uh, after six years in Montreal, where he had two seasons north of 50 points, he had a 30-goal year in there as well. When the Habs traded him for Max Domi to Arizona, Then it was bounce around time, a lot like Anthony Duclair. He's been with four teams in the last couple of years, going from Arizona to Pittsburgh to Minnesota and now Ottawa. And he signs a one-year contract worth just over a million dollars. It was certainly something that we thought about. You Uh, called it. Yeah, we'd heard that... uh, uh, we uh, the, the Sens were out there making calls about this guy a couple of weeks ago, uh, just doing their due diligence, talking to at least one NHL head coach to uh, find out what he's all about, uh, whether this guy's still got some meat on the bones. And they obviously liked what they heard, and they signed him this week again to a one-year contract, which is the deal that I think both of us thought if the Sens did bring him in, it would be that kind of deal. Now that it's happened, your reaction? I still don't like it. <laughs> I just I just can't see it. He's a diminishing asset. I don't know who they spoke to doing their due diligence, but a little bit of due diligence looking at stats will tell you this is a declining asset from his big year of 30 goals in a full season in Montreal, down, down, down. And what, what was it last year? Uh, 24, I think. Yeah, I, I wrote it down somewhere. Stephen, hang on. I'm going to get my notes out. Look at this. Get your notes out for Show guts. prep, baby. Show prep. Uh, I have him as going... 
Uh, last season in 59 games, he had all of eight goals and was traded. And let's not forget, he started the season guaranteed when they, when they acquired him. You're going to play the left side with Malkin. And he's in a contract year. And, and what, within a month or two, he was no longer playing with Malkin. And by the trade deadline, they shipped him out to Arizona. I just, there's something wrong. We Obviously, beyond the fact that he couldn't check his coat. I just, I don't see it. I don't get it. I, I understand everybody saying it's no risk. It's no risk. But if he's a bad apple, apparently he's never gotten along with a coach in his life, except apparently the one that the that the Sens checked in with, I guess. <laughs> um, and that's and that's my source, by the way. <laughs> there you go. I just <laughs> I, I don't get it. I I understand it's only a million dollars, but you are possibly preventing someone else, one of the young kids, from stepping into the lineup. And if he's gotta play in your top six, there's no way on earth this guy can play in your bottom six. I think that if he's not playing your top six and he's a healthy scratch, he's going to be a moper. He's going to be a whiner. I question his work ethic. I'm not a fan of the signing. So, you? well, I, I just, uh, if I have any evidence of moping and, uh, and, and being a bad apple, then I'd be more on that side of things. Um, I, I, you, you tell me, is it, is it gut instinct you're talking about there? Or have you heard something about this player being a moper? The only thing I've ever heard is that he's a bad attitude, uh, questionable work ethic, and has, does not get along well with whoever is behind the bench of whatever team he's playing for. This is not the kind of – we've talked a lot about um, placeholders, right? We've talked a lot about needing character. I don't think this is a character guy. He doesn't he, – he's certainly not going to get mistaken for a Connor Brown or a Chris Tierney when it comes to being a true professional. And I think that that it, there's a risk there that he might infect some people. And I, I just, I, I don't think it's a good risk. Let's put it that way. Certainly fits in with team America here. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, there's so many tendencies again with Pierre Dorian. He loves team USA and uh, he certainly loves North Dakota and he loves guys who've had uh, dads who, who've played, um, but I'm, I just feel I'm trying to empathize with the kid, and I think to myself, okay, he was a third overall draft pick, and he, the, the Habs thrust him right into the NHL, right out of the gate. And off he went for the next six seasons, and I think that maybe he went on tilt a little bit when he got traded away, because when he got traded, he was a 51-point player. And all of a sudden, he's in Arizona, and I think it was just one of those things we're still pretty early in this guy's career, still only 24, and I think that threw him for a loop mentally. At least, I guess this might be wishful thinking, I suppose, but I think there's a possibility that there's more there that of all the guys that uh, total players coach, DJ Smith, the way he handled Anthony Duclair last year, Duclair fell in love with DJ Smith. I'm hoping that there's something there where he arrives in Ottawa new lease on his NHL life. He's here at the start of the year. He's in a real good hockey community once again. Um, I think it's worth the risk. I have all the same concerns you do, but I think it's worth the risk. Well, let's hope that uh, that you're right and that DJ Smith can can work some magic and coax something out of him. Like I, I, I've read lately since the signing, a lot of people saying, just like you're saying, it's it's no risk. It's no big deal. If he doesn't work out, you just release him. You let him go. But I'm thinking in the meantime, he's here, he's playing, 
if, if he's not happy, that's a problem. Let's say that a guy has a, a, a breakout, not even a breakout, a, a bounce back year, and he matches the 30 goals that he scored in Montreal, what, four years ago. What kind of contracts he going to want next year? But then again, here's another way of looking at it. A lot of people have said he's a redemption project. He's a reclamation project. He's going to be motivated because he's going to want to make the big bucks. Well, didn't he want to make the big bucks last year in Pittsburgh? He's making three or four million, guaranteed a spot on Malkin's left side, and didn't produce and slowly worked his way down the lineup until they shifted him right out of town. There's concerns to be had for sure. And if it was anything but the deal it was, which by NHL standards is a pittance, which is a joke. <laughs> you think about the average nine to fiver here in Ottawa, and I'm talking about a million dollars as being meh, couch change, but such is the reality of pro sports. It's just weird saying that. Weird. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but the How do the they point- benefit? How do the senators benefit? If he has a great year, that's one great year, and his contract's up and he's a, and he's a UFA. So then he's going to want the three or four million. The senators aren't going to want to pay him that um, for proper reasons. They've got other players to come along. Uh, It could turn out to be another one of these things where the fans are ticked because the guy has a great year and the Sens aren't willing to pay him. Right. Or he sucks. He's he's a bum. And you're going to deal him at the deadline to who for what? You know, last year at the deadline, he got shipped to Minnesota. Woo! You know, not like it was a a big killer deal. Not like it was he's going to a team that's a playoff contender who's looking for just what he can bring. Uh, I I don't see the idea of, of getting anything for him in a trade at the trade deadline. If there's any attitude there, um, and it's all rumor and speculation, but if there is any, I think – languishing as long on the free agent market that he did and then only getting basically almost league minimum for one year, like zero faith. And then it's the worst team in hockey, second worst team in hockey. I got to think that if there's any kind of attitude there or ego, um, I think that's going to cut a guy down to size a little bit. Not to mention, as we mentioned in a previous episode, he goes to Minnesota and the season's not even a month over. He's still a month away from officially becoming a free agent. And the Wild go out there and get Nick Bukestad in a deal. This is after their season has come to a close, but well before free agency. And, and they go ahead and give Bukestad Galchenyuk's jersey number. I think all of these things can contribute to a guy kind of resetting his focus, getting his head on straight, and having potential. Um like, I'd love to see the guy work out. Hey, I'm all for it. Um, just my, my personal opinion, I don't think it's going to work, but that I'm not rooting against him. Uh, I, I'm wondering where he's going to play. I don't think he can play center ice. I think that's been shown in a couple different stops in his career. Yeah, I mean, wing would seem the likely place, but at center ice, there's a lot of unknowns. Right, Colin White, we're not sure if he's going to work out at center. Maybe he's a guy they're using on the wing. We know for sure Chris Tierney, who got signed this week to a two-year contract at 3.5 average annual value. We'll get um, to that. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, so he's in the mix. At, for sure he's going to be, be a center. But then you got you got Josh Norris. You've got Logan Brown out there still. You've got a guy like Schlappick and Stutzla. So, I mean, there's lots of potential options but there's so much unproven 
center ice action there that I'm not writing out, I'm writing Galchenia completely off. I wouldn't be surprised in a, an act of mad science that DJ Smith works in both up and down the lineup and at both winger and center. Yeah, I'm not saying he can't play center because there are people ahead of him. I'm saying he can't play center because he can't play center. (laughs) You know, not known for his defensive skills, not known for having any sort of a conscience when it comes to D-zone coverage. Uh, But again, he's got to play in your top six, or I think he's you're wasting him for the for the talent that he has. That hopefully he's going to come out. So I see him on left wing. In which case, that tells me that maybe Stutzla's not coming and Galchenyuk plays left wing behind Kachuk. Interesting. Because you you had, I mean, we talked about this a week or two ago, and you felt like Stutzla was going to be here this fall. You're starting to feel like that might well, not be the case. I just, I, they seem to be dragging their feet on uh, on a release from Mannheim. Uh, they've got to pay a... Pay a release fee. Um, they buy him out of his. They buy him out of his contract. It shouldn't be that difficult. But why isn't it done yet? Yeah. You, you like go back and look through history. Third overall picks a month after the draft, and they still haven't signed yet. That's strange. I doubt his agent wants him to be there. His agent's going to make money off a big contract. Um, he can play in Belleville, uh, despite his age, because he's a European. He could go to Belleville. Um, Maybe that's the thing to do. Let him let him go down to Belleville and tear it up and then bring him up. Are you a proponent of the concept that everybody who's got a one-way contract is a slam dunk on this team to be on the team opening night? Or do you account for the idea that some of these guys, maybe like a Galchenyuk, or uh, who else might I throw into that mix? Uh, yeah, Anisimov. Like, uh, could some of these guys on one-way deals lose their jobs to one of these guys on two-way deals still? Some of the rooks? Um, or, you know, because if that's the case, there's only about three jobs available. Yeah, if you're only looking at one-way deals, right? Right. Like, if you're only taking one-way deals, then where are you putting Brandstrom? who I think is starting the year in Belleville anyway, and that was pretty much said at the end of last year. But sticking with forwards, you you counted out nine one-way deals up front, right? Well, and Kachuk. So I I include Kachuk because he's such a slam dunk to be on the team. And then there are eight one-ways on top of that. You got White, Dadnov, Anisimov, Galchenyuk, Connor Brown, Nick Paul, Chris Tierney now, and Austin Watson. Those are your one-way guys, leaving three forward spots available. Yeah, and I'm thinking those spots go to Batherson and then one of Balser's Schlappick and uh, Abramov. And then I don't know who's the other one. Well, you, you left Norris out. No, oh, and I left Norris out. But I have a feeling I, I can see Norris starting in Belleville. I don't know that he's going to be there all year, but I can see them starting him in Belleville. Just, uh, okay, do it again, kid. You're rookie of the year. You had a great year. Go down there and do it again. Uh, it's probably not fair, but the way the numbers are here, and if he is going to project out as to what we all think is probably a number two center, do you want him up here suffering through a bad season on a bad team? Maybe it's better that he starts down there. So uh, even though I think he should be up here, <laughs> his skill says he should be. 
There's so many things to think about, right? You think about that concept. The guy's good enough to be on the team, but do you want him suffering through? Is it good yeah. for a kid's development to be hating going to the rink every night? And then there's also the angle of, well, no one's expecting this team to win the Stanley Cup. I leave a slight chance that this team might compete for a playoff spot because pro sports is pro sports. You never know. Um, but then there's the angle of, you know, Josh Norris's free agency clock starts ticking unnecessarily in a season that doesn't, I mean, it matters. It always matters, but no one's expecting it to be a Stanley Cup type, type season. So you have to factor that in as well. So it's not just about, hey, kid, you, you cracked the top 12. You're in the NHL now. There's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. And the other one we didn't even mention was Logan Brown. Right. So does, does Logan Brown almost automatically make this team due to so many reasons, factors that have nothing to do with his abilities or his record? Does he just make this team because we got to put him here? It's put up or shut up time. There's certainly reason to do that because he hasn't really had a chance yet. The guy's only had about 20-some games in his NHL career. You can't go all Zibanejad with this guy and cut bait and decide to trade him um, because you really haven't given him a chance yet. I really he think been healthy. there's that too. I'm not blaming the Sens entirely for that. A lot of it has been health. A lot of it has been skating. You, you get kind of worried that... It, you know, he kind of looks a bit sluggish out there. Well, you know what? I'm not too worried about that. Um, you know, Mark Stone didn't look very good when he came into the league either. Um, so I think you just bite the bullet. He's going to struggle some nights. He's going to be invisible some, some nights. He was your first-round draft pick. So you have to give him a good long look. I'd like to see him here for half a season so that he gets a bit of swagger. He fancies himself as an NHLer, not a guy who's constantly being yo-yoed up and down um, because I feel like when he gets that swagger and he gets a bit of confidence, feels like he belongs, then you might start to really see something there. Because there's one thing I am in love with, with Logan Brown, and I, and I believe this to be true, even now, that I, he might be the best passer on the entire team. In terms of vision and passing and, and making crap happen, he's one of the top guys on the team. But there are the issues. He is a centerman. You're not sliding him to the wing. No. He's not going to – don't put him on the fourth line. So I'm I'm pretty much writing it in in ink that he is the third line center when this season starts for all the reasons we just talked about. He has to be here for your own reputation as a management and scouting staff. You got to put him out there. He's got to show up. He's got to put up or or shut up. Um, and it's not going to be on the fourth line. It's going to be on the third line. So he, I think he's here. So that causes problems with. What do you do with Norris? That causes um, problems for a Schlappick. Is Schlappick now your fourth line center? Nick Paul can play center. Artie can play center. I, I think your fourth line is probably some sort of combination of uh, Artie and Schlappick or um, Balsers or Abramov. They're there with Watson. Like Watson's, boom, Watson is your fourth line right winger who are the other two guys in your fourth line probably paul and Artie. right so if all things are equal let's just look at those eight guys that are kind of on the outside looking in just because they're kids they're they're still on those two-way contracts technically speaking on their entry level deals 
Um, when you look at, and Stutzler doesn't even have a deal yet. I don't think he's signed yet per se, but you get the idea. So yeah. of the of the following list, which three guys, just for fun, take the whole concept of contracts out of it and, oh, my God, we can't have him in the NHL. He'll get discouraged if the team loses. Take all that out of it. Long term, which three guys do you think will have the most impact as NHL players? So you got Norris, Stutzla, Batherson, Formanton, Logan Brown. Then you have Balsers, Abramov, Schlappick. Who would you select as your big three? Out of those guys, which three do I see playing in the NHL 10 years from now and producing? Correct. Stutzla, Norris, Batherson. Same here. And it's not close. I would agree. I mean, the other, you, you just brought up Formanton. We hadn't even talked about him yet. Here's another guy who is, is he or isn't he? Is he an NHLer? Is he not an NHLer? He's probably another guy who's on the outside looking in due to these contracts, due to inexperience and number of games played at the NHL level. Is he another one who's going to get stuck starting the year in Belleville again too? Didn't he play like three years ago, like a game or two? <laughs> this year, he didn't play any games, ironically enough. He went straight down to Belleville right out of the gate and had a great year, finally put some points up as a pro, 53 points in 61 games. The year before, he started in the NHL and did the whole 10-game thing, nine, game, nine, nine games hit, and he went back to, Bell, or to, to London. And then... Back to 2017-18, that's how long this guy has been on the NHL radar. He played a game for the Sens that year, even though he weighed about 103 pounds. <laughs> but man, was he fast. Well, before all these extra signings happened, he was probably penciled in third-line left wing. Was he not? Yeah. And it was almost at one point looking like he's going to be reunited with Brown and Batherson as your third line, maybe. Right. Yeah, and now he's on the outside looking in. Is that good for business? Well, overripe. What is the saying? You'd rather have them... Uh, overripe than underdeveloped. I don't have a problem with that. Um, if these kids are tough enough mentally to handle it, do they buy into the idea of, I need to develop better, I need to get better so that I can say, yeah, I'm overripe, I'm ready, and be knocking at the door? Maybe that happens at training camp for some of them, but a lot of them are going to Belleville. And they, they better have a good mental mind, good mental mindset when they get to Belleville. Uh, we got to take a couple of uh, roadies to Belleville for the coming oh, year. Oh, yeah. I can't remember when the cupboard was this full. And it's a great problem to have, isn't it? Because normally you're looking at, okay, there's some battles for jobs. But there always seems to be, you know, a Tom Pyatt or a J.C. Baudin, you know, just a guy who's really better suited to the American Hockey League. You're kind of cramming in there just for numbers. This year, well, you got some real NHL-ready talent that's going to be playing down in Belleville because there's just not enough room for them, and that's a much better problem to have, isn't it? Agree total go down there. We are making road trips. Let's not forget about this Castellic kid, too. I right. think he might be this year's Sabaret. He might be the 13th guy that sticks around with the big club and you know, contributes here and there. With some skill, by the way. I hope they're done, though. I keep hearing these stories now about Corey Perry. Like Frank Saravelli said something on TSN the other night that the, that they'd had some discussions and both sides were interested. Hopefully, that was before Galchenyuk. And Galchenyuk signed, and they're not still talking to Corey Perry. 
Like that wow. would be too much now. Like literally old enough to be a father figure, like actually the father of some of these. Why would he want to come here? Like he'd want to be on a winner. Yeah. Not going to happen here. Like I just, I can't see it. What he brings is, is that the, he'd be great for helping Brady Kachuk become even more of an a-hole. Right. Yeah. But, but I, but as far as bringing the game in the playoffs, that's not going to happen here. So I just, I don't, I don't get the Corey Perry talk at all. Yeah. And you've got some veteran presence there with Eric Branson. Uh, I don't know much about Dadnov in terms of what kind of leader he is per se, but he's an older player now. He's 31 years of age. And uh, so it was good they got him to a three-year contract. I think that's about right for a player like that. Okay, so there's a check on the lineup. And uh, again, there was a couple more signings this week along with the Galchenyuk, these being re-signings. And uh, Chris Tierney, as they avoid yet again arbitration, they, they, up yours arbitration seems to be the attitude. Uh, they still, I think, have to do Christian Yaros. I think he's the last one left. But Correct. Chris Tierney gets a two-year contract with an average annual value of $3.5 million per season. Were those about the numbers you thought? It yeah, that's, that's pretty much what we were talking about, right? So three and a half on a two-year, maybe a three-year deal. Really interesting that the first year is, what, 2.8 in year one um, in what will be a shortened season. That makes him very, very appetizing to trade. Yeah, it's a nice little deal that you could trade. It'll be there'll be nothing left on it, you know, like a quarter of it or less left come the trade deadline. And he's a guy who could center your third line on a team that you think's got Stanley Cup aspirations. So I, I think that was probably part of it from the senator's standpoint. Spend less than the first year so that it's an easier trade, easier contract to trade. When does a guy get to a certain age that, okay, you know, you were a stud, you were an offensive guy, but if you're going to play in the show, you're a third or fourth liner. When does that age hit? Like, is Schlappick at that stage now where, all right, you're the fourth line center, right? Like, when, when does Rudy Balser's, all right, you're never going to be in the top six, bud, you're, you're, a, you're a third line winger? Well, I mean, he's only, he only got acquired from San Jose like two years ago. And uh, it was a point of game. I mean, Logan Brown was a point of game. Josh Norris, point of game. Like, they're all doing what they're supposed to do in the American Hockey League. So when do you cut bait is what the uh, question is. Yeah, that's the question, yeah. I I just, uh, Logan Brown is probably one that is is approaching that, I think. This is going to be his fifth training camp, for God's sakes. Sure, yeah. uh, But everybody else has, uh, has arrived since. He was drafted. A guy like Sabanajad, I think the Sens swapped him out when he was 23 finally. And uh, he hadn't remotely become the player that he was going to yet. He was still very much unpolished and an incomplete project. And uh, Sens fans are ruining that deal now. That's true. Uh, Did they give up on him too soon? Uh, You could make that argument, right? Because of what he's done since then. Yeah, and I just use that. I just use that as a measurement because... Again, 23 years of age, and I think everybody we've just talked about is under that age still. So it's, well, here, it's I looked it up while early. we're talking. Mm-hmm. Brown is 22. Mm-hmm. Batherson is 22. White is 23. Obviously, Brady Kachuk is <laughs> only 21. Uh, where's the rest of them? Here we go. Formanton, 21. Norris, 21. Baudet, 23. Davidson, 23. Castellick, 21. 
Where'd Rudy Balsers go? Rudy Balsers, 23. Okay, so Balsers and Schlappick are at Abramoff. Uh, Balsers, Balsers and Schlappick are 23. Abramoff, Abramoff is 22. Is it time now for those guys? Like, sorry, you're not going to be a high-producing offensive guy at the National Hockey League level. You're going to be a third-liner, fourth-liner, and and sorry, that's that's going to be your role. When does that day come? You can't paint everybody with the same brush as we've, as we tell these guys, and you know, from the age they're five onward in their hockey careers. Well, everybody develops at different speeds, and I really think that, like I say, with the Zabanijad example, uh, he caught flight at twenty five, twenty six, and there's nothing unreasonable about that. But the reality is, um, for a twenty three year old, you've been with the organization for like five years now. And in those five years that have elapsed, new guys have been drafted and acquired, and they're pushing things along. So, yeah, it's around 23 where the pressure starts to mount on you and the pressure starts to mount on your general manager to make some crap happen. Yeah, yeah that's, that's why I'm saying that, that Logan Brown, I, I'm going to write it in pen, he's starting the year at third-line center. And he needs to play with some quality people on his wings. That's why he can't be on the fourth line. You can't move him to left wing. He's got to play center, third line probably, because of the depth that's ahead of him. So he's your third line center to start the season. Just, okay, there he is. We drafted him. He's our guy. Watch what happens now. So, uh, yeah, Chris Tierney getting a two-year deal. And uh, they also signed Philip Schlappick and... uh, that's just uh, I, I even reading what Pierre Dorian had to say. Um, I mean, it really did look right away. He's like, oh yeah, that guy's going to the minors. There's no question about that. <laughs> like, it just didn't. I didn't get any vibe at all uh, reading his. Let me just uh, read his uh, his comments here. I stand by here. Phillips, a competitive player who works hard. He's applied himself to becoming an important player for us in Belleville. We're confident that work ethic will be equally as effective for him as he strives to become the same type of player in Ottawa. So not closing the door entirely on him. Still keeping the possibility open, but it really does look like Pierre Dorian fancies Philip Schlappick is entirely a depth guy. setting up in front, he shoots, he scores! A hat-trick and a game seven overtime winner for Yoel Kiviranta of the Dallas Stars who move on to the Western Conference Final. All right, let's change gears here and talk a little bit about uh, some other things that have gone on over the last few days. And uh, one would be that uh, Rick Bonus has officially signed in Dallas with the Stars. Kind of interesting, too, that he's the oldest head coach in the NHL. So the interim tag is removed. Of course, he was the guy that led Dallas to the Western Conference title, which was a bit of a surprise, I think, to some people, and uh, got within two games of a Stanley Cup win. So the interim tag comes off, and Bonus now officially becomes the oldest NHL head coach at 65, and he signs on exactly the same time as the White Sox in baseball make <laughs> Tony Larusa. By far, by the way, the oldest manager in baseball. Hard to imagine going with a 76-year-old uh, to start off uh, things for the White Sox for the coming season. Managed in the 70s, Steve. This is his sixth sixth decade. But very good for Rick Bonus. 
um, from anything that any media report on a radio, on a TV, in a newspaper, the players loved him. He had success. He was went in under not exactly perfect circumstances, and uh, and did a great job. I mean, good for him. He's got one last contract in the twilight of his career. I don't think they're going to be anywhere near as good next year as they were this year. I can't see them repeating as Western Conference champions, but uh, good for him. Yeah, it, it, it. I mean, I know I know Ottawa didn't get all the way to the Cup final. They got close, double overtime, Game Seven. I hate you, Chris Kunitz. Um, but it, it does have that same kind of potential for drop off in Dallas. I, I just, uh, it's the age. Yeah, exactly. We talked about all the lineup changes and uh, what's happened in October here. That also meant saying goodbye to people like Craig Anderson, um, who's still out there. I think I don't think he signed. Yes, correct. Mark Borowiecki's now in Nashville, Bobby Ryan in Detroit. So that means that 2017 run to the Eastern Conference Final, there's not a single full-time guy left from that roster. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's good, though. Like, it, it, it had to be done, right, based on the first six months of the next season. Uh-oh, we're not as good as we thought we were. Um, this is what needed to be done. And I'm sure we could go back and find – old footage of Pierre Dorian saying, look, we got a long range plan here. We know what we need to do and we're going to put it in place and have some patience. And it's, it's looking better and better with each passing season that uh, this plan is coming to fruition for them. Yeah. And chemistry was a mess as, oh. as history would show the, the Carlson thing with, uh, with Hoffman and, and their partners uh, and, 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 and resolution. No, I never heard a resolution officially. It was just one of those problems they were able to trade away, and we never really did hear exactly um, how things played out there. But, I mean, you got to think a situation like that, and there's two real you know, big features on that team. They were both uh, tremendous offensive players, so you got to think that there's certain amounts of guys in the room that are you know, stepping up for Carlson and others stepping up for Hoffman, and that just turns the – chemistry of the room into an absolute mess and then you had the whole thing with the uber cab ride where guys are speaking out against the coaches it was clear that it was more than just a team that was overachieving in that playoff run it became pretty clear pretty quickly the following season that uh that that chemistry was a mess speaking of bad deeds i guess the arizona coyotes in the news um for all the wrong reasons but they're trying to make it right now. They're renouncing the rights to draft pick Mitchell Miller after Miller's history of assault and racism as a 14-year-old were spotlighted in a newspaper investigation. So Miller's an 18-year-old defenseman. He's going to be playing at the University of North Dakota. The University of Ottawa Senator. Exactly. <laughs> um, he was selected in the fourth round of this year's draft. And so earlier this week, the Arizona Republic published a, a big-time expose on Miller bullying a kid named Isaiah Meyer Crothers, and he was a black classmate. Is a, uh, I should say, was a black classmate. Hey, that guy, guy. He was a classmate, and he is black. Let's put it that way. And he has developmental disabilities. And uh, so Meyer Crothers' take on it was in junior high, I got beat up by him. Everyone thinks he's so cool that he gets to go to the NHL. But I don't see how someone who could be cool, can be cool when you pick on someone and bully someone your entire life. Coyotes initially stood by the pick, and this is a story in ESPN, by the way, that I'm reading from. 
and President and CEO Xavier Gutierrez said the team felt a responsibility to be part of the solution for Miller. We believe we're in the best position to guide Mitchell into becoming a leader for this cause and preventing bullying and racism now and in the future. Well, today, as we record this, Gutierrez announced the team was renouncing its rights to Miller, making him a free agent, and the quote now is, uh, prior to selecting him, we were aware that a bullying incident took place in 2016. We do not condone this type of behavior but embraced it as a teachable moment to work with Mitchell and make him accountable for his actions and provide him with an opportunity to be a leader on anti-bullying and anti-racism. We've learned much more about the entire matter and, more importantly, the impact it's had on Isaiah and the Meyer Crothers family. What we learned does not align with the core values and vision for our organization and leads to our decision to renounce our draft rights. Miller did admit to the assault and bullying in an Ohio juvenile court four years ago, he used racial slurs against Meyer Crothers, physically assaulted him, at one point tricked him into licking a candy push pop that Miller and another boy had wiped in a bathroom urinal. Yuck. So awful stuff, for sure. Um, in 2016, Miller and another student were found delinquent on all counts of assault and violation of the Ohio Safe Schools Act. Miller was suspended from school after meeting with court psychologists. The other eighth grader apologized but Meyer Crothers said Miller never did. And Miller sent letters to all 31 NHL teams prior to the draft explaining the situation and also didn't apologize directly to Meyer Crothers in a statement released by the Coyotes. Um, his, his, I'm sorry this is going on so long. It's just a lot to unpack. I'm extremely sorry about the bullying incident that occurred in 2016. While I was in eighth grade, I was young, immature, and feel terrible about my actions. So... Um, that's the story, and Arizona knew everything. They, they had the full background, they thought, and now they've, uh, as of today, renounced the rights to Mitchell Miller. And a lot of social media is applauding the move, that he never should have been drafted in the first place. What do you think, Greg? If everybody who is trying to get a job at 18 years of age is judged on actions from when they were 14 years of age you'd have a tough time finding a job like is this kid allowed to work at walmart is he allowed to pump gas uh should corporate america be shunning him there's a part of me that says yes i agree it was terrible but he was 14 for god's sake i think that we can turn the page and allow this man to have some sort of a path to redemption I'm wondering what happened in Arizona between the original statement from Gutierrez and today or yesterday. What what went on? This was a perfect opportunity to bring this kid in and say, yes, this is what I did. This is what happened. I want to start a program. I want to work with kids. I want to do this. I want to do that. Some type of social outreach program for the Coyote franchise to, to get past this. So, what did what happened between a week? What happened in the last four days to change the opinion of the Arizona Coyotes? And do we really have to judge people on what they did at 14 years of age? I think what happened in the last four days was the social media explosion. I think initially it was like, okay, we're going to do this. Maybe they thought it wouldn't come out. I don't know. But I think what happened here in the last few days since this story broke was the Arizona Coyotes were besieged by social media, by direct calls, 
uh, anger and all that. And they, they said to themselves, well, fourth rounder, do we really want to put up with all this and have this kind of grief from our fan base and potential season ticket holders and advertisers that are now upset with us for a fourth rounder? Uh, I think they decided, you know what? Let's just uh, take the easy way out and clip. There he goes. And and again, most of social media uh, was not most. I mean, I, I shouldn't gauge it on the, uh, the the 20 or 30 social media posts I read, but it seemed like there were a lot of people like, yeah, you can't condone this type of behavior. Bravo to the Arizona Coyotes for doing this. Good for them. I'm like, you're not, I mean, no one's condoning the behavior. It's horrible. But it's still, at the end of the day, the behavior of a child. We have a Young Offenders Act. There's a reason we don't put kids in jail. Um, so I'm, I, I don't like, I don't, I, I think this attitude that's out there, I mean, Arizona took the easy way out fine, but I just don't want to see this kid get canceled completely. Uh, like you said, there has to be a, a road to redemption because if you, if you blow up that road to redemption, he's going to just stay here where he is. And that is, you know, messed up teenager. And, you know, okay, I can't get a job at Walmart, like you said. Who, who, who doesn't think right now that this North Dakota scholarship is suddenly going to disappear? Because the, pitch, the, the, the pitchforks and torches, well, they, they got to Arizona and now they need something to do. Let's go over here now and talk to the folks at North Dakota. I would put money on it that within a week, this kid's scholarship, by the time you and I assemble next for the next podcast episode, this kid no longer has a scholarship at North Dakota. Now what's next? Do we go after the job at Walmart like you talked about, Greg? Like I just, how, how, much, how much payment are you looking for? How much pound of flesh are you looking for from a child? You have to leave a path of redemption. Um, and by the way, even on the status quo, if Arizona had continued developing this kid, like whether he's playing pro hockey in the minors or in the NHL, like the stigma of what he did was already going to make this path to redemption really, really difficult. Imagine going in the corner with an Evander Kane at this stage of the game. And not only that, the cat calls from fans, other players on the other team. Uh, it, it's just, it, it was already a difficult path he was on, and there were, there were going to be consequences moving forward, just socially speaking. It was going to be difficult. But uh, there just seems to be no end to the, the revenge that people are looking for on this thing. And the, and the key point is neither of us would condone this type of behavior. But I would not condone this type of behavior if it happened yesterday with this player, if it happened a week ago with this player. It happened four years ago when he was 14. Well, that's what everybody's jumping to the conclusion of, too. They're going, well, you know, I didn't hear an apology and I didn't did um, you know, and then they're from so, so outside the situation. They're saying things like, uh, well, that doesn't say contrition to me. That doesn't look like he's reformed to me. It's like, well, that's what these four years have been about. And now he's 18. Now he's an adult. Now he's a chance to prove himself that he has changed his ways. And you know what? If he does anything, rem- and the microscope is going to be very much on him now, if oh, he yeah. does anything remotely like this again, then F that guy, have fun in jail. That's how I feel about it. Second chance, absolutely. Third, fourth, fifth chance, nah. Bye bye Couldn't agree more. Well said, my friend. With that, we shall call it a day. 
Good stuff as always, though. It's really good. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, seeing what the Sens come up with uh, next week. Because last week, we were thinking to ourselves, well, that's uh, probably going to dry up a little bit now. And uh, they had a very busy week. Uh, but uh, never a dull moment in Sensland, huh? Birthdays next week. Yes. The return of birthdays. What everybody's been clamoring for. All right. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. And we'll talk to you again next week on the Sens Nation podcast. Thanks for being with us on the Sins Nation podcast. If you enjoyed the show and want to help the nation grow, please visit SinsNationPodcast.com. Leave a positive rating or review. Share the show with other Sins fans. Become a Patreon member or subscribe for free and never miss a single episode. Until next time, go Sins Go!